Nehemiah chapter 1. I'm going to read the entire chapter. <clears throat> Nehemiah chapter 1. The words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakaliah, and it came to pass in the month Chislu, the twentieth year, as I was in Shushan, the palace, that Hanani, one of my brethren, came, and he and, he and certain of the men of Judah, and I asked him concerning the Jews that escaped, which were left of the captivity, and concerning Jerusalem. And they said unto me, The remnant that are left of the captivity there in the province are in great affliction and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem also is broken down, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. It came to pass when I heard these words that I sat down and wept, and mourned certain days, and fasted, and prayed before the God of heaven, and said, I beseech thee, O Lord God of heaven, the great and terrible God, that keepeth covenant and mercy for them that love him, and observe his commandments. Let thine ear now be attentive, and thine eyes open. Thou mayest hear the prayer of thy servant, which I pray before thee now, day and night, for the children of Israel, thy servants, and confess the sins of the children of Israel, which we have sinned against thee. Both I and my father's house have sinned. We have dealt very corruptly against thee, have not kept the commandments, nor the statutes, nor the judgments, which thou commandest thy servant Moses. Remember, I beseech thee, the word that thou commandest thy servant Moses, saying, If ye transgress, I will scatter you abroad among the nations. But if ye turn unto me and keep my commandments and do them, Though there were of you cast out unto the uttermost part of the heaven, yet will I gather them from thence, and will bring them unto the place that I have chosen to set my name there. Now these are thy servants and thy people, whom thou hast redeemed by thy great power and by thy strong hand. O Lord, I beseech thee, let now thine ear be attentive to the prayer of thy servant and to the prayer of thy servants, who desire to fear thy name and prosper. I pray thee, thy servant, this day, and grant him mercy in the sight of this man, for I was the king's cupbearer. You know, Nehemiah was certainly a great man of God. Um, we only have recorded 11 years of his life. He comes on the scene. 11 years later, he vanishes. We don't hear anything more about him. His name means comfort of a Jehovah. Jehovah. And what is this? What is it that this great man of God is known for? Building a wall. That's his contribution in life, you might say. Rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem in very troublesome times. But I want to ask you another question. What was the great contributing factor to success? mentioned it last week. Nehemiah was not only a man of enterprise, and we're going to look at some things in Nehemiah, Lord willing, a few weeks ahead, but Nehemiah was a man of prayer. He prayed. He prayed before, as I mentioned last week, he prayed five months and the, about this, and the building of the wall took. 52 days. Less than two months. So he prayed 
or twice as long about it as it took to actually complete the job. He did a lot of other things, by the way, while he was building that wall, too, but we'll see some of those, Lord willing. But I believe this was the great contributing factor to his success. Nehemiah, and I titled this message, Nehemiah, a man of prayer. Dr. R.G. Lee says, if you trust in administration, you get what administration can do. If you trust in hard work, you get what hard work can do. If you trust in your sparkling personality, you get what your sparkling personality can do. But if you trust in prayer, you get what God can do. Unquote. And so I want to look tonight at Nehemiah, the man of prayer. First of all, the priority given, verse 1 and verse, chapter 2, verse, verse 1. In verse 1 says, the word of Nehemiah, the son of Hekeliah, and it came to pass in the month Chislu in the 20th year as I was in Shufsan, the palace. And then in chapter 2 and verse 1, came to pass in the month Nisan in the 20th year of Artaxerxes the king. That wine was before him, and I took up the wine but under the king, now I had not been four times sad in his success. Now, the reason I read down two verses is, uh, Nehem, it's, it's, it's in the month Chislu, or December, that Nehemiah learns of the condition of the walls and the, and the affliction and the distress of the people at Jerusalem. And that's when he begins to pray about this. And he is praying, he's, he's mourning, he's weeping and, and mourning and, and fasting before God about this condition. It's a terrible condition. It's a reproach upon the, the nation of Israel. And because the nation of Israel is, are God's people, therefore it's a reproach upon the name of God. You see, we're God's people. And when we bring reproach, it not only brings reproach on us, but it brings reproach on the name of God. And so, Nehemiah, your know, prayer is a priority here. For five months, he's mourning and fasting. Now, I, no, I don't think he had a continual five-month fast. You know. uh, but I believe at different times. So, he, so this is a priority. Uh, this book, really, begins in prayer and ends in prayer. If you go to the last, last phrase, is, Remember me, O oh my God. We're good. He's praying to God to remember him. You know, he's, he, one of the things he also does is he, he, he uh, correct, does a lot of correction of the children of Israel that are in, back in Judah. Because uh, they're, in, again, they're, they're, they're having these hardships because of their sin, and he's, he's correcting it. So, so prayer is the rule of his life. Uh, you know, God... Somebody said, God will not do some things unless we work, and he will not do some, some things unless we pray. Remember the, uh, the, uh, uh, the uh, demon-possessed uh, lad that the, the, the man brought to the disciples, and they couldn't cast him out. And Jesus said, this kind of do us by prayer and fasting. But, you know, we must be also willing to put feet to our prayers. Somebody else said this, quote, Nehemiah prayed about everything but he also kept his powder dry, unquote. You know, he, he did pray about everything, but he also kept his sword on his side. And so, what we see here, the priority given to prayer. 
Jesus said in Luke 18.1, Men ought always to pray and not faint. The apostles in, in, in Acts chapter 6, when there was a, there was a, arose a need for the widows and, and they were being neglected, and, and so they, they, came, they came to the disciples and, or the apostles who were the pastoral staff of the, that church there in Jerusalem, and they said, you know, we got this problem. And, and this is what they said, that, that you know, you appoint somebody over it, but we will give ourselves continually to prayer and the ministry of the word. Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 5:17, "Pray without ceasing." Jeremiah 15 or 5 Jeremiah. James 5:16, "The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much." Jeremiah said, "Call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not." See, the problem is many times we minimize prayer. Prayer is whether you believe this or not, prayer is the hardest work. God gives us to do. To the modern, impatient, proud people today, that was a long waste of time praying for five months. But this was not a waste of time. It was four months of preparation in the mind and soul of Nehemiah. Four, four months or five months of praying, weeping, studying the scripture, and conversing with God. And somebody said, prayer is the anvil upon which God fashions us into the kind of people he can trust with his power and use for his purposes. Unquote. So there was a priority given to prayer. We also see patience in prayer. Again, in chapter uh, 1, verse 11, and 2, 1, O Lord, I beseech thee that now thine ear be attentive. He's coming to the end of this time. Tend to the prayer of thy servant, to the prayer of thy servants, who desire to fear thy name, and prosper, I pray thee, thy servant this day, and grant him mercy in the sight of this man, for I was the king's cupbearer. And it came to pass in the month of Nisan, in the twentieth year of Artaxerxes the king, that wine was before him, and I took up the wine, gave it unto the king. Now I had not been before time sad in his presence. So, again, five months is a long time when your heart's breaking, and you're ready It's How many of you like to wait? You know, the thing is, God never gets in a hurry. You know, was it because Nehemiah's turn? You know, the, I'm, I'm sure the, the king had more than one cupbearer. Was it because Nehemiah's turn as cupbearer took that long to come around? Was the king out of town? Was Nehemiah waiting upon God's go-ahead? Or was he discovering what God wanted from him? Or was he just getting up the nerve to put his head on the chopping block and approach the king about the matter? Now think about this. Now, I want you to notice what he says here in verse 11 again. At the end of that verse says, I pray thee thy servant this day, and grant him mercy in the sight of this man, for I was the king's cupbearer. You see, you weren't allowed to be sad in the presence of the king. It could be your life. But this, this mourning of Nehemiah was from the heart. It was not something he could conceal.
Now, again, waiting is painful work, is it not? Proverbs thirteen twelve says this, Hope deferred maketh the heart sick. I mean, just waiting. Waiting for a good word or waiting for, you know, some hope. Uh, but when the desire cometh, it is a tree of life. You know, in our fast-paced society, we want everything done yesterday. You know, please give us patience, but give it to me today. <laughs> you know, our motto is, let's get it done. Well, let's roll. But if we're going to be serving the Lord, we have, we have to sometimes wait on the Lord. Psalm 27, 14 says, Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thy heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. So there was... There was a priority of prayer. There was patience in prayer. Notice the practice revealed. Again, in verse 11, O Lord, I beseech thee that now thine ear attend to the prayer of thy servant, to the prayer of thy servants, who desire to fear thy name and prosper, I pray that thy servant this day and grant him mercy in the sight of this man, for I was the king's cupbearer. So, so he prayed. Uh, first of all, he prayed. For five months, that was his first response, uh, from verse 5 uh, through to, to chapter 2, verse 1. Uh, he prays five months. But he also, you know, his practice was that we prayed five months. He also solicited the help of others who feared the Lord. Notice again, verse 11, I, 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 this, this was stood out to me. O Lord, I beseech thee that now thine ear be attentive to the prayer of thy servant and to the prayer of thy servants. So Nehemiah didn't just keep this to himself. He he evidently had some some close uh, some associates that he worked with uh, or or a fellowship with that he shared this burden with or this affliction that was at Jerusalem. Uh, he maybe not he didn't maybe tell them what he was thinking, uh, but but evidently they were praying about it as well. You know, Paul often solicited the prayers of the churches. And we need to solicit the prayers of others uh, as part of our practice. Uh, and then thirdly, when the king asked him why he was sad, again, verse chapter 2 um, and verse 4, it says, Then the king said unto me, What dost thou make request? And notice this, So I prayed to the God of heaven. So when the king asked him why he was sad, he prayed to the Lord of heaven before he answered. Uh, several commentators called these missile prayers. I mean, just short, brief. You know, he, he, what he, you know, think about it. He's standing before the king with the cup in his hand, probably, gave it to the king, and the king says, why are you sad? And he just whispers a prayer. Like Hannah, his lips probably didn't move, or he, he, he didn't utter anything. He, he, he probably just from his heart, Lord, what do I ask? What do I do? When Sanballat and Tobiah laughed at his workmen 
in Nehemiah chapter 4 and verses 4 and 5. Again, he prayed. Uh, in verse 4 or 5 it says, Hear, O our God, if we are despised, and turn their reproach upon their own head. Give them for a prey in the land of captivity. Cover not their iniquity, and let not their sin be blotted out from before thee. For they have provoked thee to anger before the builders. And you pray that kind of a prayer about some of the running for office this Tuesday. I mean seriously. Uh, when they came a second time, again... It says, we prayed, chapter 4, verse 9. Nevertheless, we made our prayer under our God and set a watch against them day and night because of them. So, you know, there he's keeping his powder dry, too. You know, he is watching, but he, you know, he's praying, but he's watching. Uh, when same battle accused them of leading a rebellion, again, in chapter 6, verse 9. Again, like I said, this man's life was, is, is, is uh, characterized by prayer. Chapter 6, verse 9. Um, for they all made us afraid, saying, "Their hands shall be weakened from the work, that it be not, or that it be, that it be not done." Now, therefore, O God, strengthen my hands. Uh, and then the last chapter of his of, of his of the of the book, as you know, he's he leaves the scene really leaves the leaves our um, in chapter thirteen four times. He asked the Lord to remember him and his work. Uh, 13, 14. Remember me, O my God, concerning this, and wipe not out my good deeds that I have done for the house of my God and for the offices thereof. Verse 22. Uh, and I commanded the Levites that they should cleanse themselves, they should come and keep the gates, to sanctify the Sabbath. Remember me, O my God, concerning this also, and spare me according to the greatness of thy mercy. Verse 29, remember them, O my God, for because they have defiled the priesthood and the covenant of the priesthood and of the Levites. Then verse 31, and for the wood offering at times appointed for the first fruits, remember me, O my God, for good. So this was his practice. It was a life of prayer. You know, a life of prayer is, is, prayer is not so much what we do, it's what we are. A little poem says, Prayer is the soul's sincere desire, uttered or unexpressed, the motion of a hidden fire that lies beneath the breast. To live a life of prayer, we should begin, end, and spend the day with God. You know, Daniel. Daniel's prayer, to him, prayer was a way of life, just like eating. Evening, morning, and at noon. And when they made that decree that he couldn't pray, he went to his house, opened the window of Jerusalem, and prayed three times a day, just as he did before time. Again, First Thessalonians 5.17, pray without ceasing. Romans 12.12 says this, Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer. Spurgeon said, quote, that like the hunting dog, we are never to leave the trail or lose the scent of God's nearness, unquote. So, his practice was that he was always in communion with the Lord. No matter what it was, he took it to the Lord. That was his practice. And then we see the purpose seen. 
Again, in, in chapter uh, 1, verse 11. O Lord, I beseech thee that now thine ear be attentive to the prayer of thy servant, to the prayer of thy servants, who desire to fear thy name. And prosper, I pray thee, thy servant this day, and grant him mercy in the sight of this man, for I was the king's cupbearer. And then again in chapter uh, 2, verse 12, it says, And I rose in the night, I and some few men with me, neither told I any man what my God had put in my heart to do at Jerusalem, Neither was there any beast with me, save the beast that I rode upon. So the purpose seen here is that he is submitted to do God's will. The purpose, again, the purpose of his prayer is God's will to be done. The success was not for Nehemiah, but for Jerusalem, God's city, the Lord's city. Uh, the blessing is for the glory of God. And, and, and he said, my good benefit. You know, look at Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. This ought, this ought to be, this ought to be our, our desire and when we pray for, for the glory of God, uh, for our benefit, and for the benefit of his church. Ephesians 2, verse 15. Paul prayed for the the church at uh, Ephesus, I think it's chapter 1, verse 15. Yeah, chapter 1, verse 15. Ephesians 1, 15. It says, Wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love unto all saints, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who, who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised from the dead, and set him in his own right hand in heavenly places. Um, that's not really the chapter I wanted either. It's chapter 3, verse 15. That is a good chapter. But chapter 3, I'm sorry. Chapter 3, verse 15. I have wrote chapter 2, but that's not right either. Anyway. Of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. That would be all the saved. Uh, you know, some in heaven, some on earth. That's called the family of God. That he would grant you, now he's talking to the church of Ephesus, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length, and depth, and height, and to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now unto him that is able to, to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh us, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. You see, God's purpose is that he would bless, you know, the purpose of prayer ought to be that, that the blessing of God for the glory of God and for our good and, and for the glory of his church. So, again, the purpose seen here is God's will be done. God's will be done. Uh, it's mission to God. The selfishness, of course, is my will be done. 
James, you know, we have we have prayers in the Bible like that, or or um, um, it's spoken about in James four two and three. It says, "You lust and you have not; you kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you have not, because you ask not. You ask and receive not, because you ask amiss, that you may consume it upon your lusts." See, they were asking God for things for themselves. Not for God's glory. Not for his benefit. Many times the reason our prayers are not answered, God's not a big part of our lives. We're selfish. Somebody said this, God offers crosses, but we want couches. See, God is interested in our holiness. We're interested in our happiness. God's priority is spiritual. Ours is material. So are we asking for God's will to be done? Or we just want relief of our crosses when we pray? Now, what are crosses? What are crosses? Something we carry on our back all day long? Yes, but not literally. Crosses would be trials, tests, things that bring discomfort, uh, self-denial that requires self-denial, battling with the enemy, which is, could be the flesh, the world, the devil. You, you know, it comes in all forms and all sizes and... and uh, uh, it can be friends, it can be relatives, it can be family members. Crosses require endurance. It requires continuing, uh, and the word endurance means continuing or yielding, without yielding. You know, Jesus endured the cross. What's the fruit of crosses? You see, so often we want, we want the couches, not the crosses. But it's the crosses that bring about the blessing of God. Jesus endured the cross, and the fruit of that is eternal life through him. Hebrews 5, 12 to 14 said, When for when you time you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become as such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. For everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness for his debate. But strong meat belongeth to them that are full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. The key word there is senses exercised. See, crosses require us to exercise faith. It requires us to examine ourselves. It requires us to get out of our comfort zone. You know, the reason, the reason, you know, think about it this way. Why do many people not want this kind of church? It's uncomfortable for them. They don't want to look different than the rest of the world. Now, I agree, and I have to admit, ladies, 
it doesn't affect us as much as it affects you. That's what the Bible teaches about dress. That's just the way it is. But, you know, um, most people want to fit in. They don't want to bear a cross. But if we're going to serve the Lord, if we're going to glorify Him, no matter what it is. Now think about it this way. Okay, you want to play in the orchestra. Well, we got, I appreciate young people playing the orchestra. What does that require? Well, I just pick up an instrument one day and I decide I'd play in the orchestra. And, that's, and I just did, right? Is that how it works? Isn't that right, Mandy? No, didn't work that way. What was required? Some work, some sacrifice of your time. And your parents had a cross to bear listening to you learn a trump, uh, play an instrument for a while. Right? You know, so there was a cross to bear if you're going to bear fruit that glorifies God and edifies the body, there was a cross to bear. I remember when we had choir, you know, we had, for, for a while there, we had a lot of people that thought they, boy, they just wanted to sing in choir and they stayed in about three months. They found out the choir's not just singing on Sunday morning. It's that boring, monotonous practice every Sunday night, one hour before church time. You have to come early. And you know what? I think they really decided it wasn't worth it. They had to cross the bed. You know, play any any instrument. There's a, pre, a prerequisite. It's called lessons. That's the most important part, and it's time consuming. And again, it's boring, it's monotonous, but it's the most fruitful. You gotta sing. Got to practice. Have to come early. Maybe take the book home. You know, practice might be might might take place of watching a football game or playing games or you know. If somebody said this, and I remember it was in a guy in Maine who was a homeschool um, guru. He he had um, some association. They issued diplomas and they went around speaking about homeschooling. Anyway, he made this statement that boredom is the key to learning. You want your kids to learn? You know why they don't want to learn things? They don't have time to learn things? Because they're never bored. Uh, give them an instrument and make them bored. Don't allow them to watch TV. Don't allow them to have a phone. Don't allow them to have any of that stuff. And they'll learn to do something with it. Or they'll learn to you know, uh, be ingenious or something. Um, you know, Think about it. Again, as we get back to prayer, is prayer for Sunday services a priority? We, you know, it's going to require we get up early enough to pray, to worship the Lord, for God to work. Or is it for God to work in his people, for visitors, for salvation and lost? Again, do we want a cross or a couch? You want holiness or happiness? By the way, if you seek holiness, 
happiness will be the fruit. But if you seek happiness, you'll not find it. Because Jesus said that, you know, if, if you, um, he that saveth his soul shall lose it. He that loseth it for my sake shall find it. Uh, so, so what is your priority? We show it by our prayer life or lack thereof. You see, Nehemiah was a man of prayer. Oh, he was a man of action. There's a lot of action in Nehemiah's life. A lot of excitement in Nehemiah's life. Um, putting on a sword. You know, defending the city. But Nehemiah's priority was, and I believe the most contributing factor to his success, was that he was a man of prayer. Might God help us to be people of prayer. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the time of your word tonight. Thank you for the challenge that we've received from the life and testimony of this man, Nehemiah. Lord, I pray you help us as your people to make prayer a priority in our life. Help us to take the time, to sacrifice the time, that we might see you work, might see your blessing in our lives individually and in our church. For your glory and for your honor, we pray in Jesus' name.